Welcome in everybody to the flagship podcast. It is August 11th and uh, the Armageddon, the apocalypse is uh, is upon us. We'll get into that. But first, and of course, I am Chip Brown, joined by our fearless leader, the managing editor at Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? Oh, you know what, Chip? I've been a little bit better than I am right now on Tuesday, which is when we're recording for our Wednesday show. After some of these, what seems to be really rash and a little ill-advised decisions that have come down for some of the Power Five conferences this week, but I'm managing through this. How are you doing? I'm right there with you. I mean, Mad Dog 2020 has been rough on all of us and for us college football junkies. This uh, this is really throwing us out of whack. I mean, God bless all the people who are dealing directly with COVID nineteen. I hope every, as I say every week, I hope people are safe and and keeping the faith. Uh, but we're gonna have some interesting conversation today, Taylor, because uh, obviously the uh, the Big Ten and the Pac twelve have folded mm-hmm. on having fall football and. I get the Pac-12, they got issues in the state of California. They can't, USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, they can't even gather their full teams in an outdoor setting in a confined space under their state's current COVID-19 guidelines. So they're, they're all kinds of hamstrung here. But the Big Ten, I don't get, and I, I certainly took um, Commissioner uh, Kevin Warren to task in my morning brew column on Tuesday because this guy was telling the other commissioners he would let them know what he would be doing uh, before announcing any kind of conference only season. Mm-hmm. Then he didn't. He just announced it. And then, and then all of a sudden he just popped up on the Big Ten Network last week. Oh, look at me. Here's our new football schedule. It's all shiny and new. We start September 5th. And he did that without telling anyone. And then all of a sudden over the weekend, their presidents are alarmed by some reports uh, internally that some Big Ten athletes are suffering from heart uh, problems stemming from having COVID-19 and they are ready to shut down the season. And then Commissioner Warren is calling around to the other Power Five commissioners going, hey, are you are you all ready to bail on fall football? And they're like, I'm sorry, who are you? Yeah. Oh, wait, so, you've been on the job for a year? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it just, uh, it just is uh, frustrating and, and shows the lack of cohesion and, and the lack of um, unity in college football among its leadership. I mean, we all sort of take for granted and assume it's okay to have five different commissioners over the sport we love. But if you take your we are the Big 12 or we are the SEC goggles off for a second instead of always flexing like college athletics does, we're better than you, mm. our conference is better than you, there are times where they need one voice and one set of leadership, especially when you've got students raising one thing after another from unionizing to wanting to share revenue to better health insurance and a concussion database. Some of that stuff is realistic. Some of it isn't. But either way, 
college football has got some big things that they've got to address and doing it piecemeal one conference at a time just seems so incredibly inefficient. We get mad at the NCAA, Taylor. Mm-hmm. We get mad at Mark Emmert for never saying or doing anything that matters. And yet we have five commissioners in college football, some of whom, you know, I guess don't know the other's phone number. Or they, they do and they don't care. Or they don't care, right? It's look at me. I'm the new sheriff. I'm the cool guy. Look at me. And it just, uh, you, you want to throw your hands up at times. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it, one thing that is really ironic to me, Chip, you know, with the Big Ten's announcement and the Pac-12's announcement on Tuesday is if you look at the Power Five commissioners currently, the current ones in control, there are two that have zero experience being in collegiate administration. And Texas fans know firsthand what can what type of disaster can honestly come from having somebody in charge that does not know college athletics. Texas experienced that specifically with Steve Patterson, the what nine months that he served <laughs> AD and got ran out of town because of how atrocious his decisions were. Guess who the two Power Five conference commissioners that had never had prior college administration in general experience, not just college football, college administration experience. Guess which ones they are? Um, that would be Kevin Warren of the Big Ten and Larry Scott of the Pac-12. Yes. And we've talked a lot about Kevin Warren on here for the last several weeks now, um, ever since the Big Ten essentially blew up everybody's conference or their scheduling for um, the 2020 football season when he chose to hide this information from there. I mean, his missteps, in my opinion, are so atrocious at this point. Like just, it's one thing if you want to be this way all along and you want to cancel the season all along. I get it. You know, if you're really, truly, truly concerned about college athletes' um, health and their well-being and all of that and potential long-term effects, you don't lie about what your plans are. You don't. You tell all of the college administrators what your plans are going to be because you have 12 teams in a Power 5 conference, one of the, you know, the one of five conferences that you're in charge of, and you're going to hide this information. And now they're coming out saying that this is about potential long-term effects, but we're going to postpone the season until the spring. Okay, well, we're not going to talk about the long-term effects of what it would be like to have college football players play 24 games in 12 months. If we're truly talking about the health and safety of college athletes, a spring season is not going to happen. No, Period. End of story. So this is just another lie, in my right. opinion, by the Big Ten and now the Pac-12, Larry Scott, which, I mean, there's been reports that he brought the LA Times to pay $100,000 in adver- advertising revenue so that they promote positive stories about the Peg 12. I mean, let's, we already know how much of a dumpster fire he is as a college commissioner right now. But I mean, Kevin Warren, you're, you're going toe to toe with the worst power five commissioner right now. So congratulations on that. Yeah. And Kevin Warren, according to Jason Whitlock, who was on Fox sports radio this morning um, and hired Kevin Warren as his agent way back when Whitlock was a columnist in Kansas City, said that Warren 
he thinks Warren wants to be the commissioner of the NFL one day. Good luck with that. Yeah. With these decisions, good luck with that. Well, and Taylor, this takes me back to 2010 when, when realignment was happening and it was the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Jim Delaney, the godfather, the crafty um, commissioner who really ignited the fuse of realignment when he said, yeah, we're looking at expansion. And it was his hope at that time that Notre Dame, which was struggling under Charlie Weiss and underperforming its NBC contract, would finally say yes to Jim Delaney. And Notre Dame was Jim Delaney's Moby Dick, his white whale, the, the guy you know, the, he was chasing his whole career. He thought he had it. Notre Dame, and what people don't realize is Notre Dame is not about football. It's about the Vatican. And it's independence from every other university and it's standalone gold dome greatness. And they said, thanks, but no thanks. And of course, Nebraska, Missouri said, oh, take us, take us. And so realignment happens. The Big 12 gets destabilized. And and we have A&M and Missouri in the SEC by the time it was all said and done. Right. Now you look at. You look at this, and that was Delaney, the maestro. Then you have uh, Kevin Warren, who's just, I mean, seriously trying to pull a power play and show he's the new cool guy, show he's, what, big as big and bad as Jim Delaney by, you know, running Harry Carey over here, look at me, make sure that spotlight is nice and bright, you know, for the schedule announcement and, conference only but then when he wants maybe a a joint announcement about canceling fall football and calls around to the other commissioners they're like uh sorry you know yeah here's 25 cents call someone who cares (laughs) but you know back in uh 2010 we had a much different landscape in the big 12 taylor and that's where this thing gets a little interesting for me because in 2010 Look, Texas and OU have always run the Big 12. Right. They formed it. DeLost Dodds, Donnie Duncan, they formed the Big 12 in 1996. They've always been the, the you know, venerable leaders of the league. And now they're the, they're the schools with the presidents with the least amount of tenure. Both started the job in Mad Dog 2020. Mm-hmm. And Hartzell's my God, he's had to deal with a pandemic. He's had to deal with, you know, social unrest on campus. He's still an interim. Yeah. So you you put those two in the room with the elder, you know, spokesman, Burns Hargis of Oklahoma State. Um, you know, TCU's president has been in, in his job since 03, but TCU didn't join the league until 11. And then, you know, a bunch of, presidents, Iowa State's Wendy Winter, Winter uh, Garden and Linda Livingstone at Baylor and Kansas's chancellor, they just came in in 17. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got all these new characters and, and that's why I think going into the Tuesday night vote, there were a lot of, no one could predict it. Right. You know, the, the ADs were like, oh yeah, we want, we want football. We want football. We're, we're moving toward football. But even then, you're like, well, okay, well, are your presidents? They're like, I think so. Yeah. But um, 
you know, that Tuesday night meeting is, uh, you know, was an, an interesting one because you've also had, uh, I, I'm told that the Big 12 athletic directors might have whispered to Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, um, to talk to the Big 12 board of directors to tell them, hey, we're, we're full go for fall football. And, uh, and so, you know, trying to stack the deck a little bit, I don't know. But um, look, and Taylor, it's not all about football. I mean, I talked to one Big 12 official, at a, at a, an official at a Big 12 school who said, the safest thing we can do for student athletes right now is have them practicing and preparing for a fall season because they're the ones getting all the COVID-19 testing. We're testing for the heart trouble, you know, EKGs, echocardiograms, you name it, MRIs. Those kids are getting more testing and, and protection and they're holding each other accountable in such a way that it wouldn't happen that way if they're back home doing distance learning uh, for the fall semester. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why you see a ton, a ton of college football parents right now just begging, essentially, for football season because they realize that. I mean, Chip, you know, we're, it doesn't take a scientist to realize that there was an initial onset of positive cases at the majority of Power Five institutions once, you know, student athletes started reporting back to campus. Why is that? Because they were in an uncontrolled environment. There's a reason why Texas over the last, you know, the last update we got, which was last week, three weeks of no positive, new positive cases among five sports. It's because they're in these controlled environments. If they're not in these controlled environments, if they're around their friends, if they're even distance learning, but still around, you know, their hometown friends, they're not going to be in these controlled environments. They have a much higher risk, honestly, at this point from what we know about this virus and from what the numbers have shown. I think the fact right now that the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and I understand the Pac-12, you know, it's a little bit different in California. Their, their restrictions are a lot, um, I guess, more strict <laughs> right now than some other states. But, I mean, we're talking about a team in the state of Texas, which has some of the most current active cases of COVID-19, yet they're literally not having any positive cases on campus because these student-athletes aside, not just football, but five different sports are in these controlled environments. So that, in my opinion, while I, I understand, the, you know, there is a potential for long-term uh, impacts, we don't know what the long-term impact currently is of COVID because it's so new. And so I don't understand how these long-term impacts like the heart potential heart issue that the Big Ten has touted out recently over the last few days as a reason why they wanted to postpone their season, that's been known since May. So why is this different now? Just because there's a potential that student-athletes have had it? Well, let's, let's see the cases. I mean, this is a public health crisis, and I understand that there are HIPAA laws, there are privacy laws that come into effect, but the Big Ten is going to say that five of their student-athletes who had tested positive for COVID could have a potential heart issue long-term. We need to hear those numbers. We need to hear exactly what the science is. We need to hear why this is just coming up now, because this is a public health concern. It's not only about the health of student athletes. It's literally for global public health. Yeah. And how about the irony 
Speaking of realignment in 2010, the irony of Nebraska coach Scott Frost, Nebraska, Mm -hmm. which went running from the Big 12. Um, I covered that game up in Lincoln in 2011 when the students were there two and a half hours before kickoff, salivating at the thought of eating Bevo steak uh, in Lincoln that day. And Crazy Legs Gilbert, Garrett Gilbert, (laughs) ran for 70 yards and a couple of touchdowns and improved Texas's record to nine and one against Nebraska in the Big 12. The irony of Scott Frost saying, hey, we want to play football. Mm-hmm. If we're not playing in the Big Ten, we'll we'll uh, be happy to play somewhere else. Yeah. And so in the Big Twelve, obviously, is the one that is the most uh, capable because they're having to go out of conference to get their tenth game. It might make some sense, you know. Sean Eichhorst, the associate athletic director at Texas, used to be the AD at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Yeah. Wouldn't it be convenient if? Uh, the Big 12 presidents, you know, would say, hey, yeah, sure, Nebraska, come on in. We can, <laughs> we can, we can hang out for a year. Yeah, well, or Colorado. I mean, let's bring the yeah. Big 12 back to the Big 12. And Chip, I'm curious because there have been a lot of, you know, people saying, okay, can these teams opt out kind of, of being in their conference affiliation? There have been some reporters that said there is no option for that because of media rights and TV rights. What, how does that like what is the current landscape right now of that so here's the interesting thing nebraska is all rights in in the big 10 so any money tv money they get would go back to the big 10 okay big 12 wouldn't have to pay them appearance fees right like they're paying utep 1.4 million to come play here nebraska be like hey just give us our 4,000 ticket or whatever, 100 tickets, whatever, whatever their percentage is. Maybe they get no percentage this year. I hope they don't. I would imagine they don't. So they don't have to, Nebraska fly in, fly out. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. And it's a good name on the schedule. I mean, it, it's, it's there for the taking. Um, it, 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 we're not going to see realignment. I mean, I don't think. Right. I'd be shocked if we see realignment come out of this. But um, I've always said the, the college football playoff will expand to eight before we have any more realignment. It just doesn't make a lot of financial sense unless we go to my plan, the Chip Brown plan, which I've been touting for over five years. The Power Five come together, collectively bargain their media rights, and we put some geographic sense back into the whole Power Five. But that's that's a book I'm writing eventually someday. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> The irony, Taylor, of Nebraska on Monday, Scott Frost saying, hey, we're exploring our options. Right. You know, everything comes full circle, I feel like sometimes. So, Chip, I'm curious. So, you know, let's talk about what is going into this meeting um, among Big 12 officials Tuesday night. Like, what has stood out to you for what we know about it at this point? Well, I, I know this. Chris Del Conte... I mean, you talk about trying to be all in for fall football, and he agrees with the Big 12 official uh, who I quoted saying, the safest members on a college campus right now are fall sport athletes mm-hmm. because they're the ones getting the testing. They're the ones getting, um, you know, being held accountable and, and constantly reminded to mask up and, and do everything. So, um, you know, I'd heard that Chris Del Conte was contacting other members of, the big 12 to say, Hey, 
we're working with this uh, independent third-party campus health uh, to do our testing. They can take on more if you need it because some schools have labs in their medical school that they can use. But like Texas, Texas is trying not to use the UT lab at, at UT Dell Medical Center because that they want for the general student population. Right. Jay Hartzell has said any student at Texas can get a test. We, you know, we want to have a, a clean, safe health campus. And how about Notre Dame releasing information saying that 99.7% of their 12,000 students tested negative for COVID-19. Good God, South Bend is a bubble. Yeah. Um, and so if, you know, that that's, Texas has shown the rest of the Big 12. They, they're not just talking about it. They're trying to show it that they're in to help the others because that's a real concern, Taylor. Some schools in the Big 12, believe it or not, don't have easy access to testing. They don't have a medical school. Right. Um, you know, you look at Iowa State um, and in K-State doesn't really, but K-State is all in on football. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I, and I do think the majority want it, but they're concerned. They're also concerned about outbreaks. And as students come back to campus, we're going to see spikes. We're going to see rashes, whatever it is. We're going to see increases in positive testing. You don't want it to be crazy. And then you hope it calms down. If you wait, like the SEC thought out, okay, um, we'll start practice later we'll start what august 17th they said and then um you know we'll get into the season uh, in you know mid to late september the big 12 has said that too you get you give your campus a minute to kind of get the uh little spike under control and then you go on about your business you knew you know that's going to happen because as you said earlier you're bringing students back in from their communities and so you got yeah, already seen this. Right. So just get through that. Know it's coming. Presidents don't. You know, the big thing, too, is the public perception, Taylor. You've got, you know, you've got athletic directors saying, look, we've laid out all this testing and all these protocols to keep these kids safe. Don't get swayed mm-hmm. by public perception. Yeah. And that's a big part of this, though. I mean, when two power five conferences say we're out. The other presidents go, uh oh, uh oh, what do they know that I don't know? What what's happening? I, I can't be left to explain why I said yes to something that could be uh so alarming to these other schools, but I just get the sense that the SEC and the ACC are gonna stand firm. And that's the cushion. Look, there's five power five conferences. Three of them, you know, that's a majority. So would you say at this point that the Big 12 is almost the swaying factor? I mean, it is in a lot of ways. And that's why the SEC, I think, is willing to talk Mm -hmm. to the Big 12 presidents and say, hey, you know, here's what our medical experts are saying. The ACC's top medical advisor has said, has laid out a plan. Yeah, from Duke, too. I mean, that's what, it's not an Ivy League school. And that's the same. I mean, the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, two doctors, the infectious disease doctors from Duke who are running ICS are advising the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, 
it, it, it really does depend on who you talk to. The PAC 12 relies on a, a doctor, a doctor, um, Breton out of Utah. And he said, shut it down. So it's, it depends on who you talk to. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, every medical professionals always have differing opinions. I mean, this is not new. I mean, how many times have we heard, you know, when COVID started, it was you need to wear gloves and make sure that you are always having hand sanitizer because you can pick it up from surfaces. And then it came back like, oh, actually, that's not the case. Like, very less, you know, likely to do that. I mean, this has been like a fluid situation throughout that it seems like any type of rash decisions, in my opinion, and I could be wrong. Like, and you know, I hope I'm not honestly at this point, I really do because obviously this involves the health of so many individuals and potential long-term health of individuals that I do hope that what I am saying is correct at this point. But I mean, we're literally have seen this storyline shift ever since February or March or, you know, and then especially since the shutdown of what, you know, what we have to be cautious over. So at this point, Chip, it seems like these rash decisions are very alarming, if I, if, especially if I'm student athletes' parents in these conferences, honestly, because let's, let's say the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 decide to go forward with their current schedule. How, how much is this going to impact the potential earning power of some of these athletes in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. If we're talking about liability and the potential for lawsuits, what about the potential for loss of income over their career of being a college football player? Let's say Justin Fields does stay, you know, the Big Ten doesn't play games. He stays there, goes to the NFL draft, and all of a sudden his draft stock falls. Why is he not going to be able to sue the Big Ten Conference and Ohio State University and anybody else who was in affiliated with the decision to cancel the season when other power five conferences move forward with it. So if this is a liability thing, I honestly kind of think the big 10 and the PAC 12 may have set themselves up right now, as far as we know, especially if college football actually continues without their participation for huge potential liability lawsuits that could come for the loss of potential income from these uh, college athletes. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, it's a great question. It's it's going to be a tricky one to prove because you'd have to prove that you know you were negligent or malicious in in you know taking away that income earning opportunity. But we know there are lawyers who are looking to get their name oh yeah uh, somewhere. And if you have Justin Fields trying to sue his alma mater, there might be a settlement in there I mean, somewhere. Kevin Moore, Warren may go back to practicing law instead of being the Big Ten commissioner and trying to take these lawsuits up, which would be ironic because oh I think his negligence. I mean, seriously, I feel like I feel like I'm watching um, what happened at Texas with Steve Patterson right now, a little bit in the Big Ten, and that's a little alarming. And maybe we're a little too close to the situation because we watched how much of a dumpster fire that turned into and how much it set back Texas athletics. But Chip, think about what is going to happen to the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten, in my opinion. The Pac-12 could have some type of analytics that show, hey, we were literally looking out for the safety of students because we couldn't actually practice based off of state regulations. But the Big Ten's not in the same situation. Think about what could actually happen long-term when it comes to student-athletes going to, you know, being recruited. I mean, if you want the, if this turns out to where the ACC, Big 12, and SEC continue forward with their football season, the Big 10 just 
literally gave the worst type of re negative recruiting storyline for all of its competitors to give for all of its member in institutions. This is not just one school. I mean, if this is, oh, you know, they were saying that they were looking out for students or student athlete safety, but in reality, they were just worried about the liability and these other schools and conferences did this. And look, how much more successful these student athletes were because they were there. I mean, this this could potentially, and this is all you know up in the air right now. But this could potentially, at this point, have some significant um, ramifications long term for the conferences that are opting out of the season this no early. Question. And if you opt out of fall football, you're canceling it. You're canceling all your sports on campus for the year. Yes. Because you're not you're not gonna have basketball. No. The Pac twelve's already said no basketball till January one. Well that's typically when the conference season is mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. There's no you know, you can train, but uh there will be no okay, that's not happening. But that makes it safer how? Right. <laughs> I mean it's like I mean it's it's sometimes you have to unwind the logic. Mm -hmm. You can outthink yourself and I think, you know, looking at this situation. Anytime you hear someone say, hey, we'll play in the spring, it's not happening. No. And, and you are kissing goodbye all of your sports in the 2021 academic calendar, and we'll just start back up next fall. Yeah. Because it's not uh, – the budgets aren't there. The fiscal years are blown up. They're not going – they're not going to go spend a bunch of money to try and have – basketball happen after it all got canceled last year right football gave everyone a chance mm -hmm. if you could show that you could safely conduct football the most difficult sport to conduct in covid you know testing in this global pandemic because of the numbers then you can absolutely pull off your other sports because there's nothing like football there's no equivalent and and so that's where I think the the you know the power five conferences that whiffed on this really and truly whiffed. And I had schools that were all in on football say, What a golden opportunity for us mm -hmm. because the Big Ten and the Pac twelve are shut down. We can shine, we get all the TV, mm -hmm. um, we get all the spotlight. Yeah. And and you know it I agree with you. We need to hear um, the exact rationale why uh, any president who shot down uh, fall football in the Power Five, why they did so. Yeah. No, I told uh, you. There's a lot of people who are going to have to answer for it. Yeah. Um, Taylor, um, we love our, our fans, and uh, we love it when they – Go over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and give us a review. We read the reviews right here on the air on the flagship podcast. And check all the podcasts in the Horns 24-7 um, family. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got a great interview with Charles Thompson this week Yeah, that people need to go check out too because he is on fire. Oh, yeah. And openly said that he feels that his son, Casey Thompson, the backup quarterback at the University of Texas behind Sam Ellinger, is safer being at the University of Texas instead of being away from campus. I mean, when we stop ignore or when we start ignoring 
the input of parents when it comes to their children, that's when we enter a very, very dangerous territory, in my opinion, because people in suits can't tell me that they know better for people's children than their own parents. And that's what the Big Ten and Pac-12 have shown so far, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah and look, it's you said it. It's fluid. It can all change. We may not get any college football this fall, but I think yeah. – when you can be patient, like Greg Sankey, when Greg Sankey uh, put out those tweets on Monday, it felt like he was writing them right to Kevin Warren in the Big Ten. Yeah. You know, patience, patience. Right. Make informed decisions. Give yourself the most time to gather the most information. And it just, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. Well, and then Greg Sankey also put out a statement on Tuesday saying that, the opening line of the statement, in my opinion, was like the college football version of per your last email when you're about to literally just deliver the hammer on somebody to like put them in their place. It was like, I can't, you know, I'm, I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but it was essentially like, I am very eager to learn of these new findings from the Big Ten uh, to make this type of decision, essentially being like, what the hell did you actually find? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was the PC version, essentially, of college football's per your last email, I'm going to just absolutely annihilate you and I'm going to do so in a professional manner. And that was how I read his most recent statement as of Tuesday night. So Greg Sankey's earning a fan in me. I'll tell you that, Chip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No doubt. All right, Chip. Well, before we get to our love it or leave it segment, which is going to feature actual football talk and not us talking only about COVID-19 or fear mongering or anything like that. We did talk to Tom Herman last week. We got some input from the head coach about his Longhorns as they started off fall camp. So we are going to cover that in our love it or leave it segment. But before we do, we're going to take a very, very short break. So stick around. We'll be right back. Taylor, it is time for our favorite part of the flagship podcast. Love it or leave it. All right, Chip. Well, I am going to pose a few statements to you. And we're actually going to talk about football now. So I apologize to everybody if they don't want to hear about COVID. I mean, obviously, this is the topic at hand that we have to address since it is a moving target. But Texas has been back. I know, right? <laughs> Texas has been back in fall camp. We actually had the opportunity to talk to Tom Herman late last week, and this was the first time since Texas um, had reported for call, fall camp and preseason training camp that we were able to talk to the head coach. So these questions are going to be football specific. So for all of our listeners that are tired of hearing us talk about the pandemic, here we go. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right. So Chip, Tom Herman said his top concerns heading into the 2020 season our health and safety of the players, implementing offense and defense, and developing young depth. depth. Love or leave these concerns? You know what? I will, I'll, I'll love this. I mean, absolutely, the health and safety of the student-athletes and their diligence um, amid the pandemic is certainly concern numero uno. Um, and the you know, implementation, implementation, installation of the offense and defense with seven new assistant coaches, including two new coordinators for sure. Cause I heard the first couple of days of practice, it was like, Hey, we don't really do it that way. This is how we do it. 
you know, where coaches are having to coach coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a little bit of a, let's, uh, let's all get to know each other here a little bit and have a, have a powwow. But, um, so I'll, I'll go with that. And then, yeah, the depth, I mean, when you're a talented team, you got 16 starters back, you, you got to have depth. And I think Tom Herman quoted that they, they expect with everything going on, you know, they would need 80 to 90% of their scholarship roster hitting the field this year. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot. And um, when you've been recruiting well and you're bringing in top 10 classes one year after the other, uh, you should be able to, to develop some depth and get some young guys on the field. Okay. How about you, Taylor? So I'm going to love two of these and leave one. And I agree. The health and safety of players obviously needs to be number one amid pandemic or outside the pandem- pandemic. That should just be a given. So I should probably even say like, okay, come on. That's a coach speak answer probably. Um, int- implementing the offense and defense obviously has been a situation that Texas has been a little hindered with. I'm a little surprised that um, the coaches haven't learned kind of how they do things throughout their virtual meetings and all of that. Like if it's taking them being in person, I feel like that should be more of a concern about um, maybe the personalities on the staff if they can't figure it out for the last number of months when they've been meeting, you know, on these virtual meetings. But I'll say that I don't, I'm going to leave the developing of young depth just because Texas developed that young depth last year. I mean, Tom Herman has openly said himself that the one positive that came from the 2019 season was that, yes, they had to rely on young talent, players that weren't ready to play. But from an experienced standpoint, Texas has probably the most experienced team among the most experienced team of the Big 12, not just from starters, but their backup experience. I mean, a lot of these players were already required to – have to play and play substantial playing time when they may not have been ready in 2019. So I kind of feel like that's a little bit of a leave because it's like, I mean, how many times last year were we like, I mean, Texas started the bowl game with a former walk-on starting at linebacker. <laughs> so yeah, he did a great say, job. So he, did a, he did a great job and this is no knocking him, but if he's going to say, Oh, this is like one of my concerns, it's like, nah, buddy, like you got that, that concern played out for you last year. So yeah, more, I think the more, bigger, more court Jake Wiss, please. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I yeah. like that name because my brother's name's court and I've never met a single other person named court. So yeah, I'm, I'm on the court. Jake was he's, uh, he's the guy who built the, he built the Home Depot gym. Yep, he did. During the pandemic. Yeah. With the big cement buckets on the, <laughs> on the, the uh, barbell. <laughs> All right. All right, Chip. So love it or leave it, number two. The top position battles, according to Tom Herman, are offensive line, linebacker, and cornerback. Love it or leave it, Texas has the options to fill the voids at each of these positions. Yeah, I, I'm going to love this because I think these were the exact – position uh, battles that I outlined before we talked to Tom Herman. <laughs> um, you know, I won't break my arm patting yeah. myself on the back here. Hey, no big deal. <laughs> but um, I'm excited to see the offensive line. I'm, I'm more excited to see these position battles than anything. Mm-hmm. It 
it's not a huge concern because I do think the talent is there, but right. we did see the offensive line struggle last year to pick up twists and stunts, 15 tackles for loss, nine sacks against OU. I'm going to beat that stat into the ground because that's so embarrassing and was yeah. such a big part of the reason Texas lost that game that the offensive line is not going to get a free pass on that despite having three future NFL players, in my opinion, in Sam Cosme, Derek Kerstetter, and Junior Angelau. And the next guy, I just keep saying it, keep your eye on Isaiah Hookfin. I just keep hearing really good things. The guy is a freak athletically, I think, because he's 315. You know, they'd probably play him at guard, but it sounds like he might be athletic enough to play tackle. You got the older guys like Denzel Okafor, who was in the transfer portal and then decided to stay the fifth-year senior. He looks great. He's got the body, but has it, you know, mentally, he doesn't play with the kind of confidence that his body says he should play with. Right. And then Tope Amade is a road grader. He's 345 pounds and moves well, but he's not quite the athlete that a guy like Isaiah Hookfin or certainly Junior Angelau are in terms of getting to the second level, reaching linebackers, stuffing those guys. So I'm excited about that. And then at linebacker, wow, it would have been really amazing if Texas could have landed Tony Fields, the Arizona grad transfer linebacker with three years of starting experience at the weak side linebacker position, especially considering Texas is looking um, for a weak side linebacker. Otherwise, it's going to be Adelia Dayaway and Jawan Mitchell um, starting, and they're both probably more middle linebackers than they are. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, those two can play football, and they'll they'll have their assignments. And then, uh, and there are young guys coming like Marcus Tillman and David Benda, mm -hmm. uh, who should flash. And then at corner, this is what's interesting to me, and I was reporting about this before Herman said it, that Kenyatta Watson and Josh Thompson were were definitely in the mix for starting jobs. Both, I was told, both. And Josh Thompson's a guy I've been mentioning a lot because they've really liked his leadership in terms of the voluntary workouts at a time where everyone's looking around wondering, should we even be here? Josh Thompson was providing reassuring leadership um, and, and was one of the best, I'm told. So I'm, I'm excited to see these position battles play out. So I'll, I'll say I love it. Yeah. And I feel like I've been on the Josh Thompson bandwagon for quite a while now. I mean, basically, I was, I was really excited to see what he could bring last year before he had that season-ending injury. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he could be a person that is shaking up the cornerback rotation. Um, I'm also going to love this. Um, I would say that I don't know if I would consider it being a position battle at linebacker right now. I think it's a position concern more so than anything else. And Texas obviously could have very well used the talents of Tony Fields. I think that was a huge, huge miss that somehow Texas was in the mix with Minnesota, West Virginia, and he chooses their conference opponent in West Virginia to take his talents to when he obviously could have had a clear starting role immediately the minute he stepped on campus of Texas. So my biggest question for that is why they couldn't actually get him to come to the University of Texas. I mean, not trying to knock West Virginia. If you've been to Morgantown and you've been to Austin, it's 
no question, like no question which place you would rather be. You know for sure you're going to be on a team that is, you know, if things play out the way it should, Texas should be competing for a conference title. West Virginia is in the rebuilding process under, you know, a second year head coach and new, um, you know, assistant coaches out there in Morgantown. So uh, I would say that that's a little bit more of a huge concern more so than a position battle, but I do agree with you. Yeah, and on, that. and on real quick on fields, his, his former position coach at Arizona is now at West Virginia. And right. I'm told that guy basically promised him the job because he's the position coach. Right. Well, he also, he would be promised if you're a grad transfer, you're promised a job anyway. I mean, <laughs> it's the reason why you go in the grad transfer market is not to find backups. It's to find starters. So and that obviously, you know, relationships totally matter when it comes to recruiting. And so that does make sense. But um, I will say that Texas at the other positions for sure has the talent. So I'll, I'll stop being the Debbie Downer negative Nancy and say, I'll love this saying that they do have the <laughs> talent at the position battles. But yeah, the other the other position that is fascinating to me is running back for Texas because Rashawn Johnson, I thought was unbelievable. And I talked to people like Dan Neal, who can, who's blocked for Ricky Williams, Priest Holmes, Terrell Davis, 2000 yard rusher in the NFL. And he's like, I love how decisive Rashawn Johnson is. He, he said he's more decisive than Keontae mm -hmm. and Keontae is more talented yeah. than Rashawn Johnson. But he said, when Rashawn Johnson makes his cut, that's it. And he runs with power and determination. And that guy's an unsung hero who could really be interesting, especially considering Keontae Ingram's, you know, he was battling a nagging hamstring injury since April. Uh, and then Bijan Robinson, who everybody says, wow, this guy looks like a grown man. They're talking about Bijan Robinson the way that OU players used to talk about Adrian Peterson. So I'm, I'm real excited to see how that, uh, how that develops as well. All right, Taylor, what, uh, what's our last love it or leave it here? All right. So love it or leave it. The face shields that Texas has unveiled for their football players that now have the visor plus the mat or the, um, bottom part mask as well. These face shields will be a disaster in the, the South this season. Yeah. It's too hot. It's <laughs> too hot. You're going to have to put ice cubes in the top of their helmets to keep these guys cool because you're playing in a hundred degree heat and then you got this oven, you know, kind of keeping all that air, right. Stifling. Mm -hmm. You got to have some breeze coming through that face mask. I don't know if anyone was paying attention to Aaron Donald. And by the way, hard knocks or hard, hard knocks. <laughs> you're talking about my, your radio show host. My co-host. <laughs> uh, but hard knocks starts this week on HBO. So catch all those reruns of the uh, Rams and the chargers. But, Aaron Donald of the Rams said, I'm, I'm guess I'm just going to have to risk it because I can't wear that shield. I got to have some breeze flowing through my face mask. Yeah. So unless they got little misting machines on in there, <laughs> Taylor, like there's Deion like Sanders. old school fans that you like, yeah. press the like get water coming through. <laughs> yeah. My You'd parents have little misting machines on. Soccer. <laughs> and then windshield wipers. I mean, there's going to be a lot going on. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm tending to love that this is going to be a mess. I kind of feel the same way. I just don't know because I feel like 
if it was so hot and so uncomfortable for players, they're not going to put them in them, you know? So I, I'm just, I'm curious to see like what, cause I don't know anything about them. We haven't been able to be around, you know, the football team since they returned for um, fall camp or anything. We haven't seen how these masks are working in person. Um, I would imagine they have to have at least some type of like anti-fog type of, you know, yeah, they're still working on the ventilation for these things. Yeah. Um, so it probably, it probably will be a disaster in the South. Uh, I don't want to hear, you know, people from the Rams that are in Los Angeles complaining about this because I know right. what that weather is like. I'm from the area. Don't even start. Like, don't even start to try to compare how uncomfortable you're going to be in their 70 freaking degree weather when these players are in 110 before they get on the turf. So. Let's exactly. keep that, you know, behind. <laughs> don't, don't, don't talk mess. Yeah, weak-minded people in Southern California are saying that, I'll tell you. That. That's right. Taylor will bust you up. Yes. That's, why we, that's why we call her T-Bone. Exactly. Um, all right. Good stuff, Taylor. Uh, we, we've got a lot on our plates here. Um, mm -hmm. And we will always be here to serve our incredible audience for the flagship podcast, the Horns 24-7 family. Make sure you're taking advantage of the, uh, if you're not a member at Horns 24-7, the 10-year anniversary, 50%, 50% off annual subscription special going on all the month of August. So perfect time uh, to take advantage of that. And of course, get over to iTunes, throw us a little love if you could. Five-star rating, nice little review. Our bosses would... Uh, you know, give us a pat on the on the back for that one. Uh, and until next week, uh, everybody stay safe and keep the faith. Thanks for listening, everybody. For Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. We'll talk to you next week.